0: When it Mm -hmm. gets past this uh, point here, you'll see that the pattern changes, and now they're vertical to the plane. And now you see this pattern is completely different, and here comes the main event. Zap, and the plane's gone.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Ashton Forbes, and we're going to talk about a particular video and everything behind it that's been on the internet for a while. And look, I'm going to be honest with folks. I tend to find it difficult nowadays to take video as a strong source, just given where we are with technology, AI, and things like that. Because nowadays in 2023, some of these things can be easily faked. However, given what I've seen with strange reactions within the community to this video a very strong push to separate ashton from this particular topic by people that frankly have no rational motivation other than to kill the story and why would normal average citizens have a desire to kill a story like this there are none unless they're somehow affiliated with someone who doesn't want the broader truth of this to come out so again i'm going into this with my mind is not made up but i am intrigued by what's going on so ashton with that long preamble again i am coming at this with a blank slate so i'm just going to ask you the questions and just see what my audience and i can learn so first before we get into all this stuff just brief background about yourself and then how did you get into this mystery
0: Yeah, well, I have a day job. I'm a normal person thrown into an extraordinary situation as I like to describe it. I'm a contractor with the government, which is how I have a clearance. And as I like to repeat to everybody, you know, the clearance is really just to establish that I'm a normal person, that I've had my background been vetted by the government itself. And really what the information I'm presenting here is all publicly available information. I don't have any secret information. I'm not trying to string anybody along. And it can all be verified. You don't have to trust a single thing I'm saying. The information that we'll be going over here today will be stuff that you can look at and you can kind of come to your own story. You can either determine the story that I kind of tell as my opinion, if you think that's rational, makes sense, or if you want to come up with your own, I'm always open to people doing that as well.
1: And then just to be clear with the audience, the work that you're doing has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with space or anything like that, at least. Yeah, you no. Know,
0: very no, directly job has it nothing doesn't. to do with UAPs, advanced technology, outer space or anything related to what we're seeing in these videos at all. Yeah, that's correct.
1: Okay. Now, how did you decide to put yourself through this?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that in 2017 is where I really began kind of curious about this UAP phenomenon from these DoD Navy videos that came out. And so I've kind of been tracking the various communities on the sidelines. I guess you would call it a lurker. You know, watching videos and stuff like that. I've seen some stuff that's pretty credible, I thought, but never did I see anything where these videos, like these videos, actually, that's not entirely true. In 2014, I did see one of these videos right after the Malaysian Airlines incident. And like many people, I think thousands of people, if not more, saw the videos, but we didn't have the basis to understand them to be real at the time. And now in 2023, these videos got reposted back on August 8th on a Reddit forum. On a subreddit out there called the UFO subreddit. They had been posted back in January, and probably several times before that as well, and just constantly ignored. But when I saw the second video that is perfectly synced with the first one, my interest got peaked, as did many other thousands of people. So for about two weeks, almost, these videos were pretty much the only thing people were talking about on that subreddit. People were investigating every aspect of them. Debunkers were using graphics editing software to determine if there was any Discrepancies, none could be found. In fact, most of the debunkers' efforts went into proving the authenticity of the videos. Some of the debunkers were able to prove that because of the frame rate difference we were seeing in this mouse compared to the background, that that was proving that what we were looking at was a Citrix session logged into the actual Intel SPY satellite database. Other debunkers would try to prove that the capabilities that we see were not possible for a seven 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 two hundred. And it turned out because the plane's descending, it's actually maxing out the capabilities of a seven 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 two hundred almost exactly. So when I saw some of this evidence line up, especially the Citrix session part, that's when I decided I wanted to start writing about these because I realized that these videos were authentic and that most likely all the investigation we would do would be able to prove the authenticity of them. And now we're ten weeks later. The investigation on Reddit got shut down around August nineteenth due to a fake VFX debunk. That doesn't even match the zap that we see.
1: Wait, wait, stop stop there for a second. What do you mean by shut down? Like a subreddit, like a like a Reddit admin, yeah. sh- like literally shut yeah, it so, down?
0: What yeah, there was so much controversy and back and forth between the debunker side and people trying to prove the authenticity that a one-day old stock puppet account called Icy Slide, which we've realized that if you think of what IC Slide means, IC Slide. So IC stands for intelligence community and slide Slide stands forum slide. And forum sliding is a very specific mechanism that people do. The purpose of it is you try to push content to the top. Using manufactured consensus, you bot voted up to the top. On Reddit, people just believe whatever's at the top, whatever the comments are that are upvoted. And then you use social contagion takes over. Most people that think the videos are debunked don't even know why they think the videos are debunked. They just know they've Mm -hmm. heard that they're debunked. And this is exactly what forum sliding is is that you push your content to the top people believe that it's true all the comments when this happened this one day old account that shouldn't even have been able to post got manual approval from the moderators of the ufo subreddit very corrupt and it got to the point where everybody just all the comments in there thank god this is over thank god this is over that was used as the pretense to shut down all future conversation of the videos from that point forward any post they had a mega thread up that they were already pushing all things to the mega thread to, so that they wouldn't be able to be easily seen. Then they went to a second subreddit. That What would they call that subreddit? You would think you would call it MH370 something. No, it got called Airliner Abduction 2014 This is called the debunker subreddit. This subreddit is actually managed by people who are part of the people who tried to debunk the videos. Their purpose is not to solve the videos. Nobody on that forum has even tried to solve them. What they've tried to do is shut down the conversation, try to debunk and attack anybody who does try to bring the information forward, including myself, who's the number one contributor of the subreddit. I've been banned because they don't want the truth to be able to be out there, essentially, and they don't want people to be able to see the evidence. Because if they do, they'll come to the same conclusion that we're probably going to come to here today, which is that the videos are authentic. Who's Um, they? Well, in this case, they, in my opinion, is the same people that have debunked the videos, which would be Mick West and the Metabunk website that he runs. These people are all tied back to him and all tied back to that subreddit. As far as I can tell, that's the main source of misinformation about all UFOlogy on the planet right now. People that don't have any credentials, that all they have to do is push some type of fake debunk and then everybody will believe it just because of someone's name or however they're able to use this forum sliding method, social contagion, manufactured consensus. And we've debunked that debunk several times conclusively. And what I'll say as a factual statement is that the VFX from an old 90s 2D (laughs) graphic is not in our videos. It does not match even on a single frame. And the people that falsely claim that it matches on a single frame, all you have to say to debunk them, which I've done several times, is how many pixels match. And that ends the argument right there. Because they're not a match and then they have to admit that they're not a match. It's pretty sad that people are still clinging to that. And that's why I don't like to spend much time on it, because we've conclusively debunked it many times over.
1: Okay. All right. Let's go all the way back. So for people who are watching this who are unfamiliar with the controversy, just go all the way back to the beginning and explain to the audience what MH370 was, when it disappeared, the official narrative around what happened, and then go into
0: the counter narrative. Yeah, absolutely. So this plane was MH370 flying from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. This plane takes off at 1640 UTC. At 1721 UTC, roughly 40 minutes after, the plane goes dark. Supposedly, the transponders turn off. The better way to describe it is that it goes completely dark from flight radar. They're not able to track this plane anymore. And then from here, it's a mystery. from the official narrative right after the fact, they didn't know exactly where it was. So it took weeks for them to develop a narrative and present data to the public where we had a better idea where it went
1: when the united states and china clash the world will never be the same especially when forces beyond reality threaten to intervene what if the united states went to war with the people's republic of china how would these rivals fight for supremacy on land sea air and across the stochastic streams of time What wonder weapons would be unleashed? What horrors would emerge from the irradiated sludge of the South China Sea? What heroes would rise and forever change the course of history? Tread into the deepest and darkest dimensions of the multiverse, gaze through a kaleidoscope of fractured realities, and bear witness to the disturbing visions of World War III from today's greatest minds in science fiction, fantasy, and horror.
0: Weird World War, China Available now from Bain Books at Bain.com. Initially, the best approach or best thought was that this plane flew back across the mainland of Malaysia. It went over Langkawi Penang International Airport, which is the closest airport that someone would go to in an emergency scenario. And then it flew off to the Nicobar Islands. And this is the part where we didn't know. We only had satellite pings to be able to track it after radar. So they weren't sure if it went north or if it went south. On March 13th, which is five days after the event, and this date is important, that's when the first official narrative of this plane turning into the South Indian Ocean came out from unnamed sources. The radar data and the ping data was not released for weeks afterwards, which theoretically gave people plenty of time to come up with a counter-narrative or some type of narrative that would make sense. Because the reality is, if you're being honest, you're going to release that data the next day. What are you waiting for, right? We're trying to find out where this plane went. So they came up with this narrative that the plane went into the South Indian Ocean. They tried to vilify this pilot and claimed that this was a suicide route and that he was exhausting all the fuel to fly to the South Indian Ocean and slowly crash the plane somewhere in the South Indian Ocean. Now, the problem with this narrative is that there was no debris field found anywhere. Anywhere. No debris field. We've searched everywhere along the flight path, along the entire seventh arc, above and below water. And this is why people from the Netflix documentary, very smart people, realized that something was amiss, that the official narrative could not be true, because you can't have a 777 crashing into the ocean and not leaving a debris field visible from space for multiple days. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Wagner Russian guy's jet, tiny jet that crashed, we had satellite imagery of a crash and debris field the next day. So in the water scenario, the debris field is going to scatter everywhere. It would be huge debris field. There'd be bodies, there'd be pieces of the plane, luggage, all this stuff that can float, be all over the place. Yet nothing was found. The fake narrative that people just automatically absorb from the media from that is, well, the ocean's really big. The problem with that is there's nowhere else for the plane to go. They have the plane running out of fuel. The plane's not going for another thousand miles. There's nowhere else for it to go. The satellite pings, if you believe them, are conclusive. They say it must go in the South Indian Ocean, but it didn't go there.
1: So in other words, you run. can narrow this, you can you can dramatically narrow the search range based on radar returns, satellite pings,
0: precisely. et cetera. Yeah, precisely. So we are able to conclusively rule out that official narrative of the South Indian Ocean due to the fact that it's an active shipping route. Nobody witnessed this plane flying down there. Nobody found a debris field there. In addition to that, there's data that rules it out.
1: What time of day did it disappear?
0: By the official narrative they claim it disappeared in the morning 8 a.m so there's sunlight plenty of light people would have been seeing it it's not like this plane can hide right they tried to claim that this pilot who everybody has stuck up for him everyone all the officials family co-workers great guy loved flying had a huge custom simulator they tried to incorrectly line up the simulator data to claim that this matched the route But it was really just the route that he was scheduled to fly on February 3rd, the day before of MH150 to Jeddah, which goes to the northwest in a similar, not even a little bit similar pattern or flight path to where this plane went from after Penang. And then they try to claim, oh, well, there's one single point out somewhere in the South Indian Ocean or whatever in his computer. And that indicates that that's why he went down there. But this guy just loved flying. So let's say he's just practicing his route and decides halfway, okay, I'm done practicing. I'm going to go fly to Antarctica or something, right? could just as easily have been a plausible scenario compared to practicing his suicide route. And they tried to claim the reason why he's going to Penang, Lankawi, the closest airport that he would go to in an emergency scenario, is to say goodbye to his hometown. This makes no sense whatsoever. That's the last thing anyone's thinking if there are 220 people who are about to crash down the door to get into your cockpit while you're flying the plane rogue. right? So the official narrative just collapses immediately. And the data... The SOSA system, the same system that heard the Titan sub pop, if we didn't know about this and know that the Navy was willing to lie for five days while every single major news station has these oxygen counters running down, and then five days later claim, oh, yeah, we heard it right away. And then the next day they're out there and they're pulling debris up off the water at the exact location. They knew exactly where it happened, when it happened. If we didn't know about that, we might not even be able to solve this case right now because we know this system would have heard Malaysian Airlines crash into the water. So if they had heard it, why did they not find it? Why did they not see it? Why did they not figure out where the debris field was?
1: What is this system that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, this SOSA system is a declassified system that can detect acoustic sounds anywhere across the water in the entire world, essentially. It's a Navy system.
1: To advertise on Through Glass Darkly, email through glass Darkly ads at gmail.com. So you can look and, up and the social
0: system and yeah. And
1: how how's it deployed? Is it deployed on ships? Is it like a fixed system that's
0: uh, on, I believe you know? they're like buoys or something. I'm not hundred percent sure exactly how they have it figured out. It might even be underwater. But yeah, they have these kind of waypoints, presumably all across the world in a larger situation where they can catch them. But keep in mind sound travels water very well. So you probably don't need a lot in order to be able to figure it out. But it does allow them probably using like echolocation, presumably, to figure out exactly where these types of events occur, above water, in the water, etc.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if the Navy is focused on finding enemy subs, you better be damn sure that they're going to be easily be able to find something that's not as designed to be quiet.
0: So the SOSA system is a sound surveillance system. It was the original name for this submarine detection system based on passive sonar developed by the U.S. Navy to track Soviet submarines. So it's been out there for a long time. So this is the idea that they're using this. And I'm looking at some of the locations here, which are kind of scattered all across the coast of the country, essentially. So these things can hear a very large range. Now, this isn't the only system, though. We also had hydrophones on Western Australia and hydrophones at Diego Garcia Military Base. Both should have mm-hmm. been able to hear it. People have investigated the Diego Garcia hydrophone data. There's no acoustic detections in the area of the seventh arc. So again, two more sets of data that show there's no chance this plane could crash into the ocean. Not just that, though. Indonesian radar system should have seen it if it was flying down in the South Indian Ocean. Australia's Joran system, which is another radar system, has radar range to easily be able to see it. In fact, Diego Garcia, people speculate, has radar range of 3,000 miles, which would have been able to track the plane from start to finish. Mm -hmm. None of these systems saw the plane. Essentially, that's just impossible. Now, not just that. There were 19 family members of the victims who signed a statement to the government. uh, I believe it was the Malaysian government. I could be wrong. uh, uh, That said they were able to call the cell phones of the victims for up to four days afterwards, 19 of them. And one of them proved it on live national television where they actually showed the phone just ringing. right? Now, we've proven and shown that if your phone is off, if your phone is under like more than a couple feet of water, if your phone is submerged in salt water for like 30 minutes, your phone's going to die. Not just that, I have at least the data that shows that the cell towers only extend out some miles into the ocean. They're not extending out into the South Indian Ocean. So this idea that you could call a cell phone while it's at the bottom of the ocean makes no sense at all. CNN had some experts go on and try to make some fake like explanation for how this could happen. It's not happening to 19 family members phones for 4 days.
1: What would happen if your phone was destroyed but your account wasn't canceled or anything, would it just ring and ring or No,
0: that's not how it works. So they try to claim some type of weird scenario where it would try to connect to the last known spot or something like that, but I guarantee if we test it right now and we do a bunch of tests, we're going to find out that those phones aren't going to ring.
1: So, in that scenario, let's say my cell phone's destroyed and you try calling me, what would you hear on your end?
0: Oh, you're just going to get the busy signal or the you know the signal that you get, like go straight to voicemail, pretty much, right? That's what should okay. be happening. So, and I'm not claiming that I have done that test internationally, but we could absolutely do it, and I would love to, you know, including some of my international followers. I think they will conclusively find that your phones aren't going to be ringing, especially up to four days in this scenario.
1: Okay. Now, when you say 19 people, is there anything special about these 19 people?
0: If you watch the Netflix special, then you would see that there was a ton of people that did not believe the official narratives, including Danica Weeks, whose husband was on board the plane, Sarah, I'm going to butcher her last name, B-A-J-C Bach, I think it is, or I could be saying that wrong. She was the girlfriend of the American passenger, Philip Wood. Even weeks after, they did not believe the official narrative. They did not believe this pilot crashed into the ocean. You know, It's clear that they were trying to understand what really happened, but they didn't have nearly enough puzzle pieces to figure it out at that point. But they were on TV, on CNN, and they're just straight up saying they don't believe it.
1: Was there anything special about any of the passengers or the cargo on board the
0: aircraft? 221 kilograms of lithium-ion batteries which is a lot of lithium-ion batteries. That's almost 500 pounds. Now, these batteries are extremely dangerous. If you go Mm. mail a letter at the post office, they're going to ask you if you have any lithium-ion batteries in your mail. They are actually banned a year later from being in the cargo of passenger planes. That's how dangerous they are. And if you go look up the FAA's website on them right now, even after they ban them in the cargo, there's a lithium-ion battery fire once per week on American flights. People don't realize how often these things are happening and how dangerous they are. They can't be put out. You can temporarily mitigate them, but they're so energetic, they just keep lighting back up. They will explode, create a pretty big explosion, tons of black smoke that's toxic as well. Now, in terms of the passengers, there was 20 free-scale semiconductor engineers and scientists. 12 of them were of Malaysian descent, and eight of them were Chinese nationals. Now I think that we have actually found that there's a connection. Potentially, we'll get into the videos, but they are all from this company, Freescale Semiconductors,
1: which is a spinoff from Motorola. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And in 2005, there was a National Security Agency report about commercial emergence of superconductivity, and Freescale Semiconductors is listed in there nine times. The whole report is basically about them, and it actually concludes that in, this technology would be available by 2010 or 2012, but only if the government funded it so this starts to piece together what we'll talk about later which is potential motive for what we're seeing in our videos as well so there are some interesting people on as well as 20 people from the same company is far too many people most companies have policies that you can't have all these very important people like usually it's like three or four is the maximum Mm -hmm. that are allowed so this is potentially a situation where there was way too many important people on this plane the cargo is very suspicious as well with all of these batteries. And we've been trying to still dig into the cargo, but it's somewhat obfuscated. Like, there's like, I think, 5,000 kilograms of mangosteens on this, which, you know, Florence Changy, very famously in her book talked about that these mangosteens were not in season and that potentially there was something else going on here. But it's very difficult to uncover that because all we have are official reports on that type of cargo. So, There are multiple different scenarios for what the motive might be around it. But to me, when we look at these videos, what we see in these videos can't be about money, in my opinion, not even necessarily material goods, unless they're very advanced material goods. It really has to be about the intellectual property related to who the people are on the plane.
1: Okay. So the official narrative effectively is that you had a pilot who committed suicide by flying the aircraft into the Indian Ocean. In the South Indian Ocean, After correct. an
0: eight-hour joyride where it ran out of gas. yep, that's about it. Yep.
1: Okay. All right. What's the counter-narrative?
0: Yeah. So the counter-narrative here is that these lithium-ion batteries had an explosion and a fire broke out in there. This is corroborated by over 10 witnesses. All of the witnesses actually seem to have seen the same thing. And they were all just discredited. So this plane takes off at 1642. It's very hot out. Malaysia is right near the equator. It was over 30 degrees centigrade. These batteries are volatile at 36 degrees centigrade. So it doesn't take a lot of excess heat to get to a situation where they might be disruptive. In addition to the most common causes, defects. These batteries were put together the same day. They missed two security screenings the same day. This was also before people knew how dangerous these batteries really were. A number of planes burnt up before this, including a bunch of people dying on some of these planes. And so this was really what we're thinking of as our emergency events. 1719 is the last communication. Good night, Malaysian Airlines, flight 370. There's no alarms going off. But if you look at these lithium ion battery fires, like they happen very suddenly. So presumably 64 seconds later, 1721 UTC, there's an explosion, boom. Now, what the pilot's supposed to do is they're supposed to turn off their, I think it's the GPU, and try to figure out where the issue is with the circuitry. So there's some kind of explosion, it's damaged it. Now, this could explain why the plane goes dark. And there's actually a Wired article that argues for an electrical fire being the cause. And it Mm -hmm. goes through the exact narrative and scenario that we're talking about, just doesn't link it to the lithium-ion batteries, the 500 pounds of them in the plane. So this plane goes dark, lithium-ion batteries have lit up, they're burning, crew probably responds right away. They're using all the fire suppression devices they can to keep this fire out. But these lithium-ion battery fires, you fight them and they just keep coming back up. The cargo bays are actually built to withstand these types of fires in general, but they're not going to last forever. I've had a source tell me that the plane could last for an hour and 20 minutes, which is going to be the time frame that we're going to build here in our scenario. So at this time, when the plane goes up, Witnesses hear it. Nine people along the coast issued police reports saying they heard a very loud sound at 1720 UTC within one minute of our event. Mike McKay is on an oil rig, a Kiwi, a New Zealander, on this oil rig that's very highly suspended. He sees the plane about 300 miles in the distance on fire. His sighting was misreported in the media, claiming that he saw it crash. He did not see it crash. He actually admits he did not see it crash. He just assumed it had to because you see a plane on fire, you assume it's going to have to crash at some point. That's a very important distinction because if they can mitigate the fire, then theoretically this plane can can still fly. There's actually a communication 10 minutes after the plane goes dark where another 777 pilot who's flying into, I believe, Narita to Tokyo Airport hears a communication that he believes was either from the pilot or the co-pilot, but it was very staticky at 1730 UTC. This is also the exact time about eight fishermen are on a boat 10 miles off the coast of Thailand and Malaysia there in the South China Sea. They see the plane flying very lowly, uh, unusually low. This is consistent with the explosion depressurizing the plane. Because if you are have a depressurized plane, you need to fly low enough to keep oxygen for the passengers under 10,000 feet, maybe even lower than that. Mm-hmm. So this also destroys the official narrative, which claimed that this was a suicide route and that the pilot was intentionally depressurizing the plane to asphyxiate the passengers. Because if you're doing that, you're not flying low. You're going to stay at cruising altitude for them to asphyxiate. You're not going to try to like, give them oxygen to be able to breathe because they're going to be theoretically trying to kick the door down, right? So this plane flies back over Malaysia towards Penang-Lankawi International Airport, which to the was the Wire article... This is the right where place to go, right? This is the right. closest place. You might argue it should go back to where it began, KL. But the Wired article argues that the elevation is better here, especially if it stay low. You're going to want the elevation to be beneficial to your flight path here. And he's probably very familiar with going to Penang-Langkawi Airport as well. So he's going back to Penang-Langkawi International Airport. There's reports, but I haven't confirmed this, that other people that live there in Malaysia see this plane flying low as well. I've had several people in my spaces tell me that the plane gets to Penangla Cowan Airport, doesn't land. So this is kind of a clue here that theoretically the landing gear has been damaged. Because if the landing gear has been damaged by potentially the fire that's going on, or potentially that was the cause, like maybe this landing gear got very hot and the batteries were too close to it. And some of that excess dissipated heat caused the batteries to heat up and theoretically explode. And this is actually what the Wired article argues is that the heat would have caused the landing gear to start on fire. We don't really need the landing gear to start on fire here. We just need the batteries to. But if they're damaged in whatever way, the next thing you're supposed to do is try to land on your belly Mm -hmm. on the ground, which seems like a good idea unless your plane is filled with fuel, six hours more of fuel. In that case, you're going to land on your belly. That thing is going to explode and everybody's going to die. And you might say, "Okay, well, you need to dump the fuel. Problem with dumping the fuel is your plane's on fire. From a very energetic fire,
1: you yeah, start dumping fuel,
0: right. you're going to burn your whole plane up. You might explode the plane. So that's very risky as well. So the next thing you're supposed to do is land in the water. Right. So the co-pilot's cell phone pings when they get to over Penang-Lakawi International Airport, which is interesting because I don't know that we've confirmed that communication has been completely lost. But if it is, then this is exactly what you would do. I've been presuming that somehow they've had communication with the U.S. government at this point which is now they're flying to the Nicobar Islands up through the Andaman Sea up the straits of Malacca to where our Nicobar Islands are the last official radar communication is at 1822 UTC roughly 230 miles into the water off Penang now this seems like this was a cover story because if you go look back at all the official reports right after the next day they don't say that they lost communication in 1822. They say they lost communication at 1840 UTC. This is the location where everybody agrees the planes in the Nicobar Islands. This is the location where we found a witness who is on a boat between India and going to Phuket, right here in the Nicobar Islands, who sees an orange glowing plane that she believes is MH370. Reports it officially a couple of days later when she lands. This is the location now where supposedly the turn into the South Indian Ocean happens, where you look at this turn and it's just an impossible turn that makes no sense whatsoever. This is where now they're relying on these emmerstat pings to try to figure out where this plane went. And well, now- What's an
1: emmerstat ping?
0: So there are these satellites that are located all throughout the Earth. There's maybe four to six of them. And the idea is these are not constantly pinging the plane every so often. And by using this, they can figure out, okay, how far away from the plane was this ping? from the satellite is this plane. And that's how they developed the arc because they don't know exactly where because what happened here is that this plane only pinged one of the two satellites that it was in range of, which is pretty odd for the whole trip. It just pinged one of them. It didn't ping the other one ever. If you had two, you'd be able to use triangulation to figure out exactly where the plane was. But with just one, now you have an arc. that says, okay, it went either north or south. Mm-hmm. Right? And they knew it didn't go north because there's too many radars that would have caught it. Like 20 different places would have caught this plane if so. So they assumed the plane went south. Now, the problem with this is this Immerset data came out very late, like weeks later, if not months later. And there is a lot of contesting of it. Nobody corroborated this data. The CEO even came out and said that the data is good as long as it wasn't spoofed. There's an engineer that came out and had a statement saying... They thought they were playing a trick on Immerstadt. So you've got all these people coming out here like saying some pretty weird stuff about the data that basically questions whether or not it's legitimate or not. Now, what we have before that, though, is we have this plane going up to 1840 UTC in the Nicobar Islands. This is where we see coordinates in our satellite video that we're about to show that indicate that what we're seeing happened at the Nicobar Islands here. Catherine T. sees this orange glowing plane. The orange glow is consistent. With the fire suppression devices, these are halon fire suppression devices, having a chemical reaction releasing this bromine, which is a halogen, glows orange. So my same source that says that this plane can last 120 minutes says that that's exactly what would happen if you had been fighting this fire for an hour and 20 minutes and have this chemical reaction. This plane is going to be glowing orange from the gas permeating throughout the plane, potentially even leaking out, seeping out through the plane, creating the same visual effect that Catherine T on the boat sees. She sees the plane flying very low. I've actually spoken to her personally. Her flight recreation that came before me, that people used her data to try to figure out the general direction of the plane matches the turn of our videos. They said that essentially it be between two and 10,000 feet, depending on the elevation. And she said it was descending when she first saw it to five minutes later. This is also consistent with our videos that show a plane in descent as well. So we have corroboration from our witness of what we're seeing here in the videos. And all of the witnesses point to the same event, fire. There was even a B-77 fire suppression device, which is a very unique and unusual looking circular device that washed up in the Maldives several weeks later. This device even had numbers on it that seemed like they could be serial numbers that could be linked to the plane. The Maldives was intentionally excluded from the search. How would you intentionally exclude anybody from a search like this, especially if debris could wash up on your island, right? So all of this evidence leads to our lithium ion battery fire scenario, an emergency event. And then that's going to build up into our videos because along with the motive, we now have to figure out, okay, well, what really happened? If they were going to land in the water, the thing about landing in the ocean is it's not like landing in the Hudson River. Hudson River is a very narrow river. People could even swim to the edge, right? You're landing in the ocean. You have huge waves. Even on a controlled descent, this plane is going to break apart. It's the middle of the night. It's 2.40 in the morning there, local time, depending on how you want to look at time zones. It's pitch black. The witness corroborates the pitch black. We check the moon phases. It's down. The sun is down. There's no light whatsoever. This plane cracks, you're going to have a very hard time saving anybody if it falls into pieces and crashes into the ocean.
1: quick question. I thought the crash happened in the morning. You said it was like 8 a.m. Or or is that when it took off? That's only if
0: you believe that it went into the South Indian Ocean. So theoretically, this is where, in the Nicobar Islands, is where it turns into the South Indian Ocean and then flies for another six hours. The place that we have it pegged here in the Nicobar Islands, this is happening at 1840 UTC, which is equivalent to 2.40 a.m. Malaysian time.
1: Okay. All right. All right. I just wanted to establish that.
0: So essentially, they're trying to say this plane flew for another five or six hours. There's plenty of people saying, too, that there's no way this plane flew for another five or six hours. And in a fire scenario, there's no chance. So here's the thing is if this really was a fire, why the cover up? This is a very mundane event. Why are you covering it up with this huge, elaborate story vilifying the pilot? You need a very good reason to do all of this. right? And that's what we're going to see in our videos. We're going to see the reason firsthand advanced technology that is unknown to the public, right? And so this plane has theoretically been in communication with the US government. We found an intercepted communication only reported in Chinese news. They claimed to be at 2.43 AM is when they intercepted it, which is just three minutes after 1840 UTC. It claimed that the plane was disintegrating and an attempting an emergency landing. Again, both corroborate what we see in the video and from the fire scenario that we have kind of pieced together. In the video that we're going to show, you're going to see smoke coming from the back of the plane. The debunkers have tried to say this is contrails. It is conclusively not contrails, because we can see cumulus clouds in the videos, which only form between one and 5,000 feet. Contrails form above 30,000 feet. So what we're seeing here is not contrails. We're seeing the smoke come out of the back of this plane from the fire scenario. So we're going to have videos that corroborate our events We have a witness that corroborates our event and a logical scenario that is corroborated by another 10 witnesses. All
1: right. You want to show the videos?
0: Should we get into it? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, this is actually the archived version of the actual video from Regicide Anon that you can see down here. This YouTube video does not exist anymore. If you try to go to the YouTube link, many people try to and they say it's gone. You can only find it on the web archive, okay? Now, if we look down and read the information about here, there's a lot of damning information right away. Received March 12th, 2014. That's just four days after our event. Source protected. This Regicide and non account was a UFO uploader account. They had other videos that were unrelated to this predating these videos. In their other videos, we looked, they don't have any other source protected. It says like email submission, things like that. So this is going to indicate that this person was potentially really a military asset, somebody who had access to these videos that was leaking them online to try to get the information out. The time as well also indicates that. Four days. Can you imagine sitting on this type of hot footage where you, know, you might get arrested at any moment for theoretically having this out there? To me, this indicates that somebody who did this was somebody who was involved, who saw it firsthand, right? and they realized that nobody was going to be able to figure this out without it. Now, the published date is actually like eight weeks later may 19th so the idea here is that they had to be convinced that this footage is real it took a yeah, you upload
1: years. it you upload it and then delay it so that you can get some distance between yourself and the
0: video right could be that i think it's more of a line on the lines of this person didn't believe the footage to be real themselves because most people look at the satellite footage that we're going to look at and they think we're looking up they don't even realize we're looking down in this video that's how little basis we had to understand this footage to be real so from that perspective, it's likely they had to be convinced. And the reason why we think this is that apparently a later version that's a higher quality and you can't make a higher quality version from a lower quality footage. In the description, that person said that Regicide and Un argued over the validity of the, the videos themselves. So you can kind of build a scenario where, OK, this person had to be convinced and they started trying to convince other people that the footage is real, that people need to be looking at it. Now, in here as well, this side-by-side is very weird. This looks to be 3D stereoscopic. We've been able to show that you can overlay this over the top and you can create a 3D image of it. So what that means is if this is coming down from a satellite, it's actually coming down from two satellites, the data. can't just be coming down from just one satellite. And this really narrows it down for us. This is how we were able to isolate USA 229 being right there at the correct location at 1840 UTC to be able to take this. It's a low-Earth orbit satellite, similar angle, like what we're seeing here. This is not coming from directly above, like a geostationary satellite would be. This is coming from relatively low angle and low orbit, around 900 to 1,100 kilometers.
1: Whose satellite asset took this?
0: So this is a was U.S. Military? military asset, if it's USA-229. Yep. And what was okay, in ha- the second video is also U.S. military assets.
1: And how did this video become public? from a U.S. military
0: satellite. Yeah, so the idea there is it would have had to leak from somebody, right? And so as we'll be able to see and glean from the videos, there's a lot of information you can glean from them. The only thing we see here is in the bottom left. We can see these numbers. These are the coordinates that indicate the Nicobar Islands down here. Mm -hmm. On a different version, you can actually tell what these numbers are right before it. that says NRL-22, which indicates that that that's a satellite that's sending this information down.
1: Are these images enhanced in any way?
0: These are not. These are the original versions. Now, if they modified them to some degree, which is possible, the person who originally got them registered on, but we've seen other versions that are higher quality as well, which indicate that what we're looking at here is potentially authentic or came from a third-party source, at least.
1: If it happened at night, how are you able to see? Good question.
0: Because this is a false color IR. What we're seeing here is false color IR That's basically illuminating everything to make it look like it's daytime. Notice you don't see any shadows anywhere. Remember, this is pitch black. There's no Mm. shadow coming off the plane. None of these clouds are uh, putting these shadows onto the water below. So that's a big indicator that what we're seeing here is nighttime. These low Earth orbit satellites orbit the Earth every 90 minutes, meaning they have to be seen at nighttime. We can look at the Cibber system, which will very clearly explain what we're seeing here. Essentially, these satellites are scanning everywhere nonstop. And they're building mm-hmm. this 3D battlefield space There's essentially Google Earth video playback. And that essentially explains all of what we see here is that they're using these assets to pull data and create this visual experience here that you're seeing. And the 3D effect makes it easier for targeting because that allows you to pinpoint kind of exactly where this plane is in a 3D environment. Now, notice there's only two coordinates down here as well. That means that they're not tracking the plane with these coordinates. They're tracking the ground somewhere potentially mm-hmm. not even near this plane. This is a much bigger field of view. We can see this mouse already, this black mouse on the screen. These coordinates don't move when the mouse moves. They're actually doing something else to make the coordinates move and shift, like maybe pressing like the middle mouse. They're using a specialized mouse here as well. What we think is this is a much bigger field of view. You'll see this mouse move off the screen to the top right and to the bottom left, which indicates that what they're looking at is a cropped version. In fact, the drone that we'll see from the second footage is just cropped out of the north here in the very beginning of this video
1: since the kind of counter narrative is that this was heading toward the nicobar islands that's kind of within the realm of the south china sea right so the south Which china is why- sea
0: is where it went dark and then it flew away from the south china sea all the way back over malaysia and now the nicobar islands is over to the west near the indian ocean not the south indian ocean it's in the kind of northeastern indian ocean next to thailand next to malaysia on the other side of the west side of the landmass instead of the east side where the chopsuck okay is.
1: so through the strait of malacca Mm -hmm. on the other side of it, but there would have been a ton of U.S. military assets, at least in vicinity of the South China Sea. So there was
0: training exercises that began on March 10th that were there in that area from between Thailand and the United States. So presumably those were nearby at that time, which is just a couple of days Mm -hmm. earlier. There's a number of bases as well. People have looked into where these drones are stationed and they've looked historically and they found that these drones would very easily be stationed potentially even right there at Karnikabar in this exact location right over here. So... The idea of the drone that we'll see in a second is this drone's not fast enough to catch the plane, so it had to have intercepted it. So the idea here is that they either found the right location where they wanted to have this event happen, or this was the rendezvous point, or some combination of that, right? Now we can see the smoke coming. We can see this plane is consistent with a left-hand turn here. And that's how we were able to determine that even though what we see here could visually be mirrored, that because this plane's turning left and because these coordinate shifts can't be tricked, this plane is turning south into the east, and this location here is the Nicobar Islands. Can't be the South Indian Ocean. We had a lot of question whether or not there might be a minus sign hidden down here that we can't see that's cut off, but we were able to conclusively rule that out using math and logic. Now, watch here as you can see this first orb come immediately. It slingshots out, and I'll just replay this real quick because I think we missed it. This first orb comes flying from across the screen, goes right past the plane. Misses it quite a bit and comes back, like it's trying to track the plane and figure out where it is. So get ready for it. Here it comes. First orb comes in at about Mach 3, 10 times faster than the plane. There it is. And it starts to circle next to the plane, like it's trying to figure out where it is. And then boom, it locks in. Now it's in location. The second orb shoots from across the water here, and it comes up right through this cloud right here. And now it's forming an equilateral triangle, two parts of an equilateral triangle here. And the third orb is going to come off the screen here in just a second. And now it's creating a perfect equilateral triangle. And now they're spinning, they form a pattern. And what they're doing is they're encircling the plane in a sphere over time. And what begins to happen here, this was very unusual. And people ne- immediately think this must be non-human intelligence. But really what this looks like is, is a computer program, at least to me when I'm watching this, is it's too exact. We've graphed the patterns and it's like a perfect wave pattern of these. It looks like they're preparing something with purpose here at this point. We're not sure if the plane knew this was happening or this came as a complete surprise. There's really not an easy way to tell. When it Mm -hmm. gets past this uh, point here, you'll see that the pattern changes. And now they're vertical to the plane. And now you see this pattern is completely different. And here comes the main event. Zap. And the plane's gone. Now, when we watch this zap happen, it accurately illuminates the clouds. You can see that flash that happens there. We believe that that's the electrons being energized by this zap in the nearby area. It illuminates the clouds in the foreground and in the background correctly. So this zap is also an indication it's nighttime. That potentially we wouldn't see this zap so prominently if it's the middle of the daytime and that potentially the nighttime is required for this. Now, I want to point out the false color IR is somewhat proven here, too, because that's a white zap. What we're going to see in the thermals is actually a cold event that we're seeing from that zap. Additionally, the clouds are whiter on the top, which is because there's more IR radiation on the top of the clouds compared to the bottom of the clouds there. Now notice as well, after the fact, the leaker wants us to know that this plane is not a magic trick. They scroll over to the right, show us there's no plane anywhere over here. It didn't just go off to the side of the screen. It's just totally gone. And then they close the screen. So let's just run through the scenarios. If this was cloaking, this smoke trail wouldn't just stop. We'd see the smoke trail continue going forward. Because even if you can block all the electromagnetic signatures, you're going to yeah. still see it with the byproduct of the plane smoking. So we don't think that this can be cloaking. So the other scenario, that would be annihilation. Did this plane just get destroyed, imploded to some degree? We don't see any debris go flying anywhere, right? But if we go based on Einstein's E equals mc squared, then what this means is the mass and energy have to go somewhere. So if this was being annihilated, this zap should be much, much, much bigger. 777 is a huge amount of mass. If you were to convert that to an atomic bomb, this explosion would be gigantic. So there can't be annihilation either. Plus, it
1: was filled with fuel still. Yeah, and point.
0: filled with fuel. Six hours of fuel is a good point. So that only leaves one scenario, teleportation, that this plane went from one place on the Earth to somewhere else on the Earth. And then we have to be able to describe that scientifically, which I think we'll do in our follow-up session here, because it's pretty fun to dig into that.
1: How do you know it went someplace else on
0: the Earth? Well, not necessarily on the earth that's a good point so if you are talking about teleportation there's a number of different scenarios could go to another dimension it could go to somewhere else in the universe really far away it could go somewhere in the future because time dilation is real meaning that the farther you travel at the speed of light the further in the future you're going to show up if you were to go somewhere really far away at the speed of light you might get there relatively quickly But when you get there, hundreds of years would have gone by. It's going to depend on how far you've traveled, essentially. And then if you come back, everybody you know is going to be gone. There's going to be nobody left on the earth anymore. And then the last option is, well, if you just teleport somewhere nearby. Now, we also think that the motive behind this, based on what we already talked about, is to put out this fire somehow or to save this plane somehow. We're going to see that the zap is a cold zap, very cold zap, which theoretically could put out the fire. If it is absorbing energy because it's an endothermic event, not an exothermic event, like an explosion or even an implosion, then it might be able to absorb the energy from the lithium ion batteries. The reason why they are so dangerous is due to the high amount of energy that they can contain, which makes sense for a battery. right? The whole point is you want to have enough energy. You want that battery life to live as long as possible. right? So there's a couple different scenarios by which this could be saving the plane. But a lot of it starts to dig into very advanced theoretical physics. So that's the first video there. Are any questions on that before I jump over to the second one?
1: No, other than this came from satellite, right? right?
0: Yeah, we're very confident just from how far away it is. People have looked at it. This would have come from a satellite roughly 900 to 1,000 kilometers, which would be a low Earth orbit satellite. Yeah. Now, this second one, so we can look at the dates on the second one, also from Regicide and on. June 12th, 2014, received June 5th. So they didn't sit on this one nearly as long. They sat on this one for a week, right? And this one was received weeks after the first one was uploaded. So this probably tells us that the leaker thought they had absolute proof in the first one. We'd be able to figure out the satellite. Amateur astronomers would be able to reverse engineer where it was. She gave us the coordinates. They gave us everything we needed. And I want to point out the NRL-22 that we see in the satellite is not the satellite taking this footage we don't think. Now, we're always willing to kind of reevaluate based on new evidence. but. When we looked at USA 184, which is NRL-22, this does a millennia orbit, which is a very oblong orbit, but it's very conducive for being a command satellite because it sits around the North Pole looking down on the Earth a lot. And when we look at the SIGINT system, signals intelligence, we see it's a network of devices. In fact, if you Google right now, SIGINT payload, the very top hit is going to be an MQ-1C Great Eagle drone. That's this drone we're looking at right here on this screen. So what we're seeing here is a connected group of assets that are for intelligence purposes that are connecting to one another, talking to one another.
1: Uh, the, the, the long thing at the top is just the, the drone's wing, basically?
0: People think it's the wing, but we actually what it appears to be is the housing for the camera itself. Okay. And you can see pictures of this if you want on there. It's a very specific look. Somebody actually just m- messaged me today in DMs saying that one of their friends works for General Atomics. Who make these and that this is theoretically authentic footage that this looks exactly like what it would look like
1: and how do you know this isn't like cgi sort of
0: yeah so, for the most part we can go through the list but i have a whole list of what it would take in order to fake this and the time frame is the most damning part is that we have a marvel vfx expert that went on the record and said that just to get all that you would need to be able to begin to fake this and put it together using today's technology would take over six months. From these dates, and from especially the first one, you've got 72 days or less. And that's if you go based on the published date, not based on the received date. Remember that received date of the first one was four days after the event. So for your narrative to claim that this is fake, somehow Regicide Anon would have to be in on it because they would have had to lied for some reason on the received date. And so that's where the narrative of being fake would have to start. These clouds we see here, volumetric clouds are 100% accurate. People have looked through every single frame of this. There's not one discrepancy anywhere. So either someone made no mistakes whatsoever anywhere in this footage, or it's just real. You would also have to know what military assets look like. And again, in 2014. So the only reason why we even know these to be authentic now is that we had the 2017 DOD Navy videos that were authenticated. That showed us what FLIR footage looked like. Before that, unless you were a military operator, you probably had no basis. I certainly didn't. I didn't even know what kind of cameras we were using to use these Electro-IR cameras. In 2019 is when Trump posted that satellite picture. That ended up being of USA 224, which was set up in 2011. USA 229 was also set up in 2011. They appeared to have very similar capabilities in terms of visual and, and picture taking. So we needed to have this basis to even understand this footage to be real.
1: Now, when you're talking about the cloud, getting the details in the cloud right, yeah. how would you know that as compared to the other video? They're identical? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Both of these videos side-by-side side, are perfectly in sync and everything you okay. see is perfectly in sync as well. That's the part two that is really compelling As I've seen a lot of various UFO videos over the last five years. I can count on one hand the amount I've seen from two angles. In fact, I can't even think of another one where I've seen from two different angles. So that's part of it as well. We're looking at the most advanced cameras in the world for 2014. This is an electro IR camera that has a thermal layer manually added to it by the leaker. Normally, this would be in a black and white. right? And this also gives us intent. They wanted us to see various aspects stick out so that we couldn't miss it. And when I play this, you're going to understand exactly what I mean. So now we're seeing the drone here on this footage. And we're watching it track this plane. We watch it go underneath the smoke trail. And now we can see the first orb come into play. And then the second orb is going to come in here in a second. We can see they're perfect spheres. When we get close, we'll be able to see there's a heat signature in the orbs that's actually spinning on the axis. They zoom in. They're manually tracking this plane. They're not auto-tracking. Look at these trails right there. See these trails? They're not behind the orbs. This trail's in front of the orb. This is indicating that what's happening here is these orbs are creating their own geodesics, which is just a fancy word for creating their own gravity. You can see they're almost running like they're on train tracks in this video.
1: In other words, they're pulling the target toward them.
0: Exactly. They're pulling that orb forward here. And you can see it very clearly. And Now it's in the same ring formation. They zoomed in here. We can see this heat signature very clearly here. This is right near the landing gear. This is also supposedly near these AC packs that are there. Now I have a hard time believing these AC packs can have the same thermal signature as the jet engines from the outside. And you can see actually the smoke right here. I mean, you can see this very clear smoke coming off of it here as well on the back of this plane. To me, this indicates that there's actually some exhaust ports right here, right underneath these landing gear. That That's where our smoke trails are coming from, from the plane, the belly of the plane itself here. And we can see these orbs are going around at ring formation. They zoom out like they know what's about to happen here. Like they just zoomed out like at the exact right moment and said, oh, time to zoom out. You can see this heat signature on the orb is actually spinning on its axis here. We believe that what we're seeing here is superconductivity at play with these orbs. And that somehow when they induce this zap, like that, poof, gone, that what's happening there is that they're abusing superconductivity, they're exploiting superconductivity to generate almost an infinite energy source, however much energy they need to be able to generate. They may be absorbing that energy because this is an endothermic event. And these trails are cold, they're black. And when we see the zap, the zap is black as well. Now, if I switch over and show the slow-mo of that, here's the slow-mo. Notice in the slow-mo how they converge on the plane. And notice as well, watch the plane. In this frame right here, look at how cold the shell of of this plane goes in the grayscale version that we created. I mean, the whole plane is going cold here at this point. Now, I don't know if this is that they're creating a shell around the plane or what they're doing, but they're definitely inducing this macroscopic decoherence event here that we see that's allowing this plane to just disappear. This also looks like we're seeing gravitational lensing. We see the orbs flatten like this. Like if you were looking at a black Mm -hmm. hole with a star behind it, it looks just the same as that, right? This with the trails to me is just impossible to fake. I've never seen anything like this before. Like, is this like the most creative person in the world creating this? There's nothing to copy this from. As far as I know, I've seen nothing that is of this high quality that shows something like this. And now the plane's just gone. There's actually a frame where you can see the tail of the plane. I think it's the frame right before this, right there. Down here on the bottom, you can see the tail of the plane sticking out right here. And we've actually had a different version of a GIF that was created that shows you can see the plane getting sucked back into this. In this one frame, this perfectly matches the the outline of the tail right here. And that in the next frame, it's totally encompassed and then just gone. So what we think we're seeing here is something called macroscopic decoherence, which is being induced by having the plane essentially have a transitional phase state change where it converts from fermions to bosons to create a Bose-Einstein condensate. This essentially rebuilds the wave function if you want to think of the double slit experiment. Where this plane goes from a specific point in time to a probabilistic point in space and time which is theoretically how we have quantum teleportation non-locality quantum entanglement same concept we just reverse it we apply it to the macro level
1: it's like quantum tunneling at a macro scale basically
0: and what this requires then is a unified theory of quantum and macro which is something that scientists have been wondering about for probably decades which is why does the quantum world act differently than general relativity, what we see from very large objects in outer space? And what scientists have been telling me behind the scenes is there is no difference. It's just a matter of perception that the small is the same as the large and that we just have to understand the difference, how they kind of come together. And various different scientists have different approaches to that. One is that you take gravity out of the equation entirely and that there is no difference between the large and the small. And then what that means is we need inertial mass reduction. We need to be able to reduce the mass of this plane down to something that's at the quantum level. And that's what I've been told that Congress is hiding those papers, scientific papers that are out there, from the public. Because that's the technology that will allow all of this to happen, all of this macroscopic decoherence that we see. I also think they're hiding superconductivity because, I mean, these orbs clearly seem to me, in my mind, to be utilizing superconductivity room temperature superconductivity, I should elaborate. Because if you have to supercool the thing to become a superconductor, then you have to use a bunch of energy input. But if it's room temperature, and you can do superconductivity, and you can start to spin that superconductor, now you can create a very strong electromagnetic forces. And that's what makes me wonder about how there's three of them. Almost like if you jam all three of these together, now you're creating a boom, a huge amount of electromagnetic energy. Kind of like if you were to jam magnets together, right? that are of opposite force. And now, boom, you're going to get a very strong repellent force, a elect- magnetic force, but you know, times like a million. And so this, in my mind, also shows that we might have different sources of power that would essentially be green power, that would be a- almost unlimited energy, free energy, if you want to think of it like that. Sources of power that would obsolete fossil fuels.
1: Super- how, do you know it's, how do you know it's us?
0: Yeah, so how do we know it's us? It's a great question. I think that when we look at everything all in totality, it lines up to this idea that they're saving the plane. One thing I always like to say about non-human intelligence, from my own opinion, is that we should be very careful ascribing human motivations to a non-human intelligence. Is that If there's a non-human intelligence out there, they're not necessarily going to think the way we are. They're not necessarily going to come try to save us the same way we don't try to go save every ant that's out there. right? We just don't care about it. And we don't need non-human intelligence to explain any aspect of these videos. That's probably the most strong evidence. Now, most people would say, well, it's just too weird, right? Like it's too hard to understand. But if we can dig into the science and explain that what we're seeing here is superconductivity, that these are advanced military drones, so to speak, right? Now we can explain all of this without that. There was even a lieutenant general where he just posted his video from 2019 where he was speaking at a school saying that they have the technology right now in development, not prototyped, that can transport a person from anywhere on Earth to anywhere else on Earth in under an hour. I ask you, how could you pull that off? <laughs> the planes can't do that, you know. And I was surprised at the reaction of the audience because I looked at that and I would wonder, what is he talking about right now? Like, How is that possible? Are you talking?
1: Well, about- I mean, if, if you're already at if you're already at very high orbit, it's a little bit easier to do than you would think, right? Because you have craft that can fly, you know, at Multiples of the speed of sound. The higher up you are, still so-
0: satellites only can orbit the Earth every ninety minutes, and those are going as fast as they can in low Earth orbit. Satellite, you could try to speed up, I suppose, but the idea of these satellites is that you know, if you go any faster or slower, you have to take in effect the gravitational forces. So you could make that argument, but to me, I think the better argument is what we're seeing right here: is that okay? You know, and you account for the time of preparing for it as well. Remember the time from when this plane went dark. So the time where we see this event is one hour and 20 minutes. That's how long we need our plane to be able to fly. Pretty consistent with that idea. So looking at this here, we think this is macroscopic decoherence. We don't know exactly where the plane appeared. It's very difficult to figure that out. We can kind of speculate, but we can't know for sure where the plane appeared. We also don't know, do you need orbs on the other side? Science says that you could actually hold this plane in superposition. It might actually be able to be released on demand, weirdly enough. But again, it's all very speculative. You might not need orbs on the other side. We see the orbs disappear themselves. And then in terms of the passengers, remember when we see this plane go cold here, one of these wormhole papers I read about theoretical physics says you could create a double-sided electromagnetic shell around an object to allow it to traverse through a wormhole. I wonder if the same concept could apply here where you could create an electromagnetic shell somehow around this. And then the Bose-Einstein condensate would happen around the shell, allowing for the object itself to macroscopically decohere without being spaghettified, if you want to think of it like that. Which to me is the only way passengers could survive this. Because if you're turning human beings down to a liquid, a Bose-Einstein condensate, when they come back out, I don't think they're going to be the same anymore. But again, this is all very theoretical and advanced, so it's hard to know for sure. Again, this also doesn't look for more evidence, too, would be that the drone had to catch up. They were, you know, in the video we saw, they were already looking at it before the orbs show up.
1: They have all weird. of
0: their most advanced cameras already aimed at this ahead of time. If this is just a rescue operation, why are you having all these really high signals intelligence cameras staring at the plane, right? This indicates that this is an operation. The fact that they zoom out and they're not looking all around desperately trying to figure out where this plane went or looking for debris also indicates they knew something was about to happen as well, right? Even then, the satellite footage, the guy just kind of scrolls over to the right and then closes the window. It's like, it's not like they were digging around, looking around, trying to figure out, hey, did it blow up over here? Where's the debris? And in the drone footage, did it zoom out? It's like, okay, yeah, let's go get lunch. You know, It doesn't look like anybody's having a desperate reaction to watching a plane get destroyed. So a lot of this really indicates in my mind that this is just an operation. I mean, it's almost harder to believe the non-human intelligence because now what comes with this is a huge disinformation campaign that the U.S. government and maybe even other governments are hiding highly advanced technology from the public. And they have been for over nine years.
1: I think that's probably a good point at which to end this episode. And I think the next episode, we'll talk about what some of these motivations could be because I'm not entirely convinced it's human. And that's if you kind of accept all of the providence of the videos, which you know, I can't prove from my chair. But yeah, I mean, it looks highly credible. So thank you, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed today's video, please hit like and subscribe. And also hit the notification button. So you can be notified whenever I post new content. Thank you. Now, if you're enjoying the channel, and you want to support it, there are several things you can do. In fact, there are five things you can do. The first thing you can do is just buy my books. I got plenty of books out in the market right now, and I would prefer that folks buy a book rather than giving me direct support because they get something out of it. They get a real tangible product. The second way you can support me is by becoming a member on YouTube or becoming a patron on Patreon. And just go to either site and it'll explain everything. Way you can support the channel is by checking out my merch site, which is here. There's plenty of stuff that you can get to support the channel. And I'd appreciate that you, you have it and can wear it. Not only do you help support the channel, but you also help promote the channel, and I appreciate that. The fourth way that you can support the channel, and this is really easy, is anytime you want to buy something on Amazon, literally just go to the description below and click on any link, literally any link the channel gets a cut of that and it costs you no extra money you just go through the link as i'm part of the amazon affiliates club the fifth and final way you can support the channel is through donations now i don't prefer these because it's more of a expression of gratitude but you don't really get anything out of it as a subscriber to the channel however if you decide to do these options there's two options there's buy me a coffee which is a separate site and there's also you can go through youtube with either a super chat super sticker or super thanks again i prefer buy me a coffee because that organization takes less money than amazon does but either way i appreciate any support you are willing to give the channel so thank you very much and keep watching i really appreciate it